0: It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee.
1: Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Is your journey toward heaven, is it on track? Are you making progress? This journey takes us from the city of destruction, or as you'll discover, as I share with you today out of the book Pilgrim's Progress, from the city of stupidity to the celestial city. It's important that we consider what progress we're making on this journey, that we be honest with ourselves and with God you know that if you continue walking in known sin, in known rebellion against God, that you will not be saved. Now, I recognize that we're Americans. That is, in fact, a problem because we as Americans have become very arrogant and very proud. We think that We are the greatest, but we're not. And it's time for us to be very honest, brutally so, with ourselves about our spiritual condition that we could look honestly at the face of God in that great day of judgment and not be condemned, but instead be invited into the heavenly realm. Bunyan talks about this in terms of moving day by day on the pilgrimage. For John Bunyan, it was not a one-time, I'm saved, and now everything is fine. For John Bunyan, as it is for me, and as it was historically in the Christian church with John Wesley, with the great revival movements of the past, particularly that wonderful movement of God in Azuzu Street. And in other revivals, there has always been a recognition of the day-by-day progress that must be made in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. My name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm glad you've joined us today. If you're still here at this point, it must mean that you have an honest and sincere heart and that you desire something deeper than the common pablum that's being passed out almost across the board in America. It's time for us to turn to the Scriptures to turn to the teachings of the Lord and go deep, not just intellectually, but also in our experience. Now, just a highlight if you are interested, you can go to nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find us streaming live on the internet. You're welcome to go and watch on the webcam. As this program is produced. I want to move quickly today into the story that the Lord is giving us in Pilgrim's Progress. We are specifically in the in the part of the story where Christiana, the wife of Christian, who refused to journey with him while he was alive and scorned him for his faith and commitment to Jesus. But now Christiana has fallen under great conviction, and she now has sacrificed everything, her time, her fortune. Everything is on the line to make this journey successful for her. She's joined by mercy and by the children And now they have a guide by the name of Great Heart. And he has come to protect them from the enemy. God does not leave us defenseless against the devil. I want to share with you now this story. It's a wonderful story, and I suspect it will have great meaning for you, even as it does for me as they are leaving the valley of the shadow of death and as they have left the part of the journey where there are snares for their feet, where they have seen heedless, dead, cast aside, flesh lacerated, bleeding, and now he's gone. But Take Heed was able to successfully negotiate through these snares And then we come to this part of the story. Now they approach the end of the way. It was there that Christian had seen the cave where he went by, and out of the cave now came a giant named Grim, or Maul, who used to spoil young pilgrims with sophistry the definition of sophistry is a subtle or deceptive reasoning. And it gets its name from an ancient school of Greek philosophy that was known for its skeptical view on absolute truth and morality and for its leaning toward egoism and gain. So now this great giant has come out And he uses as his primary tool, sophistry. How many times this great giant has come out against me. This is not a cave that we just pass by one time. There are many caves and there are many giants by the name of Grim or Maul. And they come and they say things like this. It's impossible for you to serve Jesus. It's impossible for you to live a righteous life. You always must sin. You can never leave your sin behind. When you hear those kinds of words, whether they come from someone acting as though they're an angel of light or a pastor, if someone says to you, you can never leave your sin, know that they are belittling the blood of Jesus and they are making the blood of Jesus of no more value than that of the blood of a bull or a goat or a lamb. The blood of a bull and goat and lamb, according to Hebrews the ninth chapter, could not deliver people from sin, and so it was declared righteousness, but then Maul comes, or giant grim comes with his sophistry and he says oh you can never you can never gain the victory over your sin you're always going to walk in sin in fact if you say that you're walking without sin it's because you have not recognized the depth of what sin is you can never be perfect before god only only the righteousness of jesus can cover you and declare you righteous. But the declaration of Christ's righteousness leaves you filthy dirty underneath. Some of you bought this lie and you're willing to continue attending your church where you hear this giant grim or maul talk constantly. You are comforted in your sin. You are comforted in your wickedness. And you say to yourselves, or the giant whispers in your ear with his sophistry, don't be concerned. You're saved. You have the assurance of salvation. Don't worry. Relax. Jesus loves you. You can never lose your salvation. You are going to go to heaven in the midst of your sin. That's what the giant grim wants you to believe. And this giant dresses up in a clergy frock. This giant will dress up in beautiful clothes of silk. This giant will come in every kind of disguise, but you can quickly identify him by his sophistry. He used to spoil, it says, the young pilgrims with his sophistry. He called Greatheart by name and said to him, How many times have you been forbidden to do these things? What things? asked Mr Greatheart. What things? exclaimed the giant. You know what things, but I'll put an end to your trade today. Oh, but please, said Mr Greatheart, before we begin to to battle Let's understand the reason why we must fight. Now the women and the children stood trembling and did not know what to do. Then Giant answered, You rob the country, and you rob it with the worst kinds of theft. Come on, these are generalities, said Mr. Greatheart. Come to the particulars, Giant. So the Giant said, you practice the craft of kidnapping. You gather up men and women and children and carry them into a strange country to the weakening of my master's kingdom. And now Greatheart replied, I am a servant of the God of heaven. My business is to bring sinners to repentance. I am commanded to do my work and to turn men and women and children from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And if this is indeed the basis of your quarrel, then let's get it on as soon as you would like to do the battle. I hope you hear what John Bunyan is writing in this wonderful allegory. I hope you understand that the, that the purpose for my coming to this broadcast is to steal you from the devil. It is my purpose to steal you from the kingdom of darkness to which many of you belong. It's my intention to steal you from that kingdom That you might be brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, in the scriptures, when in the New Testament it speaks about the kingdom of God, it is not speaking about a physical kingdom. No, let me put it this way it's not speaking about a geographic kingdom. Rather, in the Greek, this word kingdom means royal authority, the right to rule. So what I'm doing on this broadcast is very clearly taking a stand that I want to steal you from the devil's kingdom, and I want to bring you under the authority, the royal authority of the kingdom of God. Now, some of you have been struggling with this. Some of you have even attended the National Prayer Chapel. And you've been very excited about the freedom that God began to bring you into. And then Giant Grimm came with his sophistry to you, and he whispered in your heart, and he said, No, it's impossible. You cannot be free by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus does not have the power to release you from sin. This preacher is lying to you. Some of you have had this giant grim come and say to you, you might as well go back to your sin. You tried, you did your best, and the alcohol still controls you. You tried, you did your best, but the pornography still has its hold on your heart. You tried, you did your best, but you're still a sinner. And you still belong to me, says Giant Grimm. I guess I have to ask a question. Who do you belong to? Don't pretend that you belong to Jesus and continue to walk in freedom in your sin. And I'll tell you what my grave concern is, that many of you will go to church, you'll hear the entertaining music, you'll hear the soothing words of the pastor as he comforts you in your sin. There will be no call to repentance. There will be no call for you to transform your life by the blood of Jesus. In fact, the blood of Jesus won't be spoken of Everything will be oriented toward making you feel welcome and feel comfortable and to feel like you're in a a community of people where you can be encouraged. The problem is, will you be told you must leave your sin or you will be in the judgment cast into the lake of fire? Now, please, I can't come and sugarcoat this message for you. Many of you have tried to overcome your sin and have been utterly unsuccessful. And when Grimm comes and says, okay, you tried, you gave it the old college try, you failed. I don't mind, he says, if you go to church. I don't mind if you call yourself a Christian. So long as you know that you failed and you will continue to walk in your sin, he says. Well I'm here to bring a different kind of gospel to you. We cannot overcome sin in our own strength and in our own power. We overcome sin by being born again. That means we enter once more into the tomb with Jesus Christ according to Romans the 6th chapter. We are crucified with Christ, we die. As one young man said to me with Surprise in his voice. You mean, if I'm going to be a Christian, I have to give up everything to follow Jesus? Yes. You have to be dead to this world. Now, as you are brought into that place, Jesus will do the work of circumcision in your heart. He will give you a new heart. So, the cry must not be, I have to overcome my sin. The cry must be, I cannot overcome my sin. Jesus, I give my life to you. I die. You have the power to break this thing in my heart. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. I cast it aside in the name of Jesus Christ. And I will no longer seek after this wickedness in my heart, I will instead seek after Jesus. And when we begin to take that position, and our focus is Jesus, not the sin, but on Jesus. Our focus is on the cross of Jesus. Our focus is on the risen Lord. And as we begin to walk in that, the power of sin is completely broken in our lives and we gain the victory. We come through. The old-timers had this, what they called the mourner's bench. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the mourner's bench. It was simply a pew in the front of the church, and it was reserved for sinners who began to fall under conviction, who were not through with sin but who have a hungry desire in their heart to be set free, then they were to get up out of the congregation and come and seat themselves on the mourner's bench. Now, why call it the mourner's bench? Because there was mourning to do. Have you ever been to a funeral? Of course you have. They're not very pleasant affairs, usually. It's a time of great sorrow and sadness. Now, we comfort one another with the words of Jesus that this beautiful Christian who has passed on, like Christian crossing the Jordan River, is now with Jesus, but still you're left alone with just the memories. We mourn. Well, the mourner's bench is called such because it's where we go to mourn for our lives, because our life is over, and a person must take each portion of his life, examine it carefully, and then lay it down and let it be dead to him. It must go to the cross. So I must bring my money, And I mourn because I must give up all control over over the money, and it's no longer mine. It's his. It belongs to Jesus. I bring my children. I give up my rights over my children to Jesus Christ. And I ask that Jesus take possession now of my children. I dedicate them to the Lord God of heaven. I give them up to Jesus. I'm no longer the one in charge and control. Jesus is. From this day forward, I will no longer try to keep my children happy. I will instead do everything in my power to keep my children holy. If they're holy, they'll be happy. But they'll be a very different kind of child. I must bring my wife my husband i must lay them on that altar a dear brother that i that i know very well has been struggling for years over this issue he doesn't want to bring his wife and his children and lay them on the altar of god he wants to keep them he's afraid that if he gives up that power of control he'll lose them he's fearful that if he gives himself utterly to jesus that his wife will leave him. And you know what? She might. I had that experience early in my life where my wife left me because of my commitment to Jesus and my commitment to gospel ministry. As she threw out the gospel and she threw out the church and she threw out Christianity, I praise God he's now brought her back and reestablished her in the faith. We have great wounds. We have great sorrows in our hearts. All of this comes with a battle with this giant grim who comes with his sophistries and comes with his lies. there must be some place where we finally say, I must hear an honest word from God. I must I must hear the Holy Spirit. I must hear Jesus in my heart, in the Word, in the Scriptures. And I will turn away, and I will no longer listen to Giant Grim. And if that means I have to pick up the sword of the Spirit and go to war with him, I will do so because I will not buy his lies. I'm very concerned for for you today that you not be listening to the lies of Satan, that you not be walking in discouragement, that you not be walking in sin, in rebellion against God, I'm just hearing in the, in the Spirit as I'm sharing this that some of you have fallen back. You're caught in the snares of sin. And if you're not delivered, you're going to die. You cannot be saved in your and continue to walk in your sin. And the only way you're ever going to leave your sin is for you to die to your desires and your beliefs and your ambitions to your comforts, to your pleasures. Some of you are not going to make it through if you don't take the television and put it in the trash. It's too big a temptation. There's too much darkness. Some of you are not going to make it if you don't cut the Internet off and stop going to it and to the wickedness that you find there. Some of you are simply not going to make it if. The bitterness and anger of your heart is not released in the Spirit. If you don't die to that anger and walk in forgiveness and humility before God, you're just simply not going to make it. And I come today with every intention of stealing you from this this giant grim, of rescuing you in the name of Jesus, that you could walk together with me and other Christians who are not that in name but are that in in fact, in reality, sold out with no areas of darkness remaining in their hearts. Victorious, this mourner's bench, they would sit and struggle and cry and pray until finally they were able to lay everything down and then they would leap to their feet and begin to shout, I have the victory in Jesus. Most of you have never experienced this because you still don't have the victory. Everything is not laid down. You're still walking in wickedness and fooling yourself thinking that you can be saved. How do we walk with, with this reality? You must do something. You can't just continue to walk lukewarm because Jesus said, I'm going to come and spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to come. Literally, it says, and I hate to be gross, but this is what the Scripture actually says. It doesn't say spit you out. It says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Why? Because you make Jesus sick. Are you making Jesus sick to his stomach by your lukewarm condition? By the lack of fire and fervency in your heart. Our phone number is 877 534 0780. Let's make this telephone the mourner's bench. Are there any of you today who need to come through in victory? And in your heart, you're crying out, you're under conviction, and you want Jesus. If so, I welcome you to call 877-534-0780. Or if you have that great victory and you're shouting because you have been delivered by the blood of Jesus and you're walking clean before him and you want to share that, call and share that. 877-534-0780. I'm going to ask our producer to play a song, The Holy City. Hugh Preedy sings this. And while you listen, make the decision. Call and we'll pray together. 877-534-0780 You do not have to listen to the lies of this giant who has come and told you you cannot be delivered. The deliverance is there, it is free for you, and you can today have the victory in Jesus Christ.
0: Last night I lay sleeping, there came a green so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven in Amsterdam. Changed the streets no longer ran. Hushed with a glad hosannas, the little children sang. The sun grew dark with mystery, the morn was cold and chill. As a shadow. Of God was on its streets. The gates were open.
1: Does your heart sing with joy about the new Jerusalem? Greatheart great heart said, I am the servant of the God of heaven. My business is to bring sinners to repentance. I'm commanded to do my work to turn men and women and children from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. And if this is indeed the basis of your quarrel, then let's get to it as soon as you would like to start. And the giant came. And Great Heart went out to meet him. And as he went, he drew his sword. But the giant had a club. Without any more words, they started to fight bitterly. And at the first blow, the giant struck Great Heart down upon one of his knees. And without the women and the children cried out in prayer. They pleaded mercy. Recovering himself, Mr. Greatheart laid into the giant in a full and powerful manner and gave the giant a wound in his arm. He fought like this for the space of an hour to such a height of heat that the breath coming out of the giant's nostrils was like the heat coming out of a boiling cauldron. They then sat down to rest themselves, but Mr. Greatheart applied himself to prayer. The women and the children also did nothing except sigh and cry, crying out to Jesus all the time the battle lasted. And when they had rested themselves and caught their breath, they both went at it again, and Mr. Greatheart knocked the giant down to the ground with a full blow. "'No!' cried Moll. "'Let me recover!' said Grimm. "'In fairness, Mr. Greatheart let him get up.' "'At that they went at it again, "'and the giant missed only slightly "'from breaking Mr. Greatheart's skull with his club. "'Seeing that, Mr. Greatheart ran at him "'with the full heat of his spirit "'and pierced him through under the fifth rib. "'Thus wounded, the giant began to faint,' And could not hold his club up any longer. Mr. Greatheart seconded his blow and cut off the head of the giant from his shoulders. And then the women and the children rejoiced, and Mr. Greatheart also praised God for the deliverance he, that he had worked. And when this was done. They all worked to erect a pillar of stone and fasten the giant's head upon the top of it. Pretty gruesome stuff. I want to tell you something. This is an allegory that is real. The giant comes running at me with his club, and he says, you might as well not even talk to these people. They're not interested in Jesus. He comes running at me and he says, your whole message is pointless. They believe they're going to be saved in the midst of their sin and they're comfortable and they're happy, and they don't want to hear this message of righteousness and holiness. I say, well, here's the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to go after him. And so I go after the giant Grimm with his sophistry. And I lay out what the Word says. And I cry out to the Lord and I ask Him to bring conviction to your heart to shake you out of the worldliness that many of you are walking in, out of your religion. Religion will kill so many. Religion will take so many to hell. Because it's the sophistry of the giant. Knocked a person over the head and so... They're now unconscious, and they go through life unconscious, believing a lie, believing that when they get to the judgment, God is not going to look at them. He's going to look at Jesus and say, come on in with all your sin. Such ungodliness. Oh, how are you today? Are you walking clean before God? Are you walking righteous before God? Are you struggling with this issue of sin, or have you simply made peace with sin that you're always going to be a sinner and you're you're on your way to heaven anyway? Let me read this passage of Scripture for you out of the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. He says, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms, and weak knees, and make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And if you then go, keep your finger there in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and you go to Isaiah 35, you find there that the writer of the book of Hebrews is actually quoting a passage out of the Old Testament, out of Isaiah, the 35th chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. So the reason for the feeble hands, the reason for the knees that give way, hearts of fear. I'm guessing that many of you today are walking in sin. You don't believe you can get the victory over that sin. Your knees are feeble and knocking when Giant Grimm comes after you. Maybe he's knocked you down with that club. Maybe you've been giving in to your sin, and so you simply say, well, I'm giving in to my sin. It's hopeless now. And with a fearful heart, you're afraid to stand up and face this giant with the sword of the Spirit because it's hopeless. I'm just, in the Spirit, I'm just hearing some of you today are hopeless. Some of you are knocked unconscious and you're not hopeless. You're not anything. You're just listening and you're being entertained as if a nice song were being sung. And you think you're okay. You're on your way to heaven, but you're not righteous and you're not unrighteous. You're just lukewarm. There's no fire in your heart because the giant knocked you over the head and you're unconscious. But some of you actually are under conviction, and you know what I'm talking about, and you recognize the reality, and you're terrified that you can never have the victory, and the giant grim has said, you cannot be saved. So why try? Well, he's a liar. You can be saved. You can have the victory. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing in all of the universe. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. This is a person who's coming off of the mourner's bench who begins to shout with joy and leap like the deer, because now they have the victory in Jesus. You can have that experience. Please understand, if you've been knocked in the head by the giant and you're wandering around unconscious, you have to get on your face and begin to cry out to God and ask him to take away your unconsciousness. You go to the mourner's bench and you say, Lord, I'm not even awake enough to know what my sin is. I just know this preacher is right. There's something not right in my life with you. I am dry. I'm dead. It's simply religion, and I want something more. You recognize today who I want to talk to. I want to talk to you, dear one, who wants more. I want to talk to the hungry ones. I want to talk to those of you are not satisfied to sit back with your beer and watch the television, you want something more. You want Jesus. And you want the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you're not content with the life of sin as you've been living it. You know the joy I have in my heart when a dear one comes to church and says to me, I'm tired of my life of sin. Can I be born again? Can I have a new life in Jesus? Yes, 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 a thousand times. Yes, you can. I pray today you're waking up. I pray today a spark of God is being ignited in your heart, and you're saying, is it possible? Is it possible I could leave my sin? Is it possible that I could have the victory? Oh, my brother, my sister, let that spark begin to ignite in your soul. You can have the victory. You can walk free. You can walk in joy and in power and in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That is a gift Jesus wants to give to you. Don't be discouraged. Don't listen to this wicked giant who comes with his lies of sophistry. Don't listen to those who want to come with their lies and comfort you in the midst of your sin. I pray to God I'm making you uncomfortable today. If you're walking in sin, I pray you're getting uncomfortable because the fire of God is being ignited under you and you're saying, I don't like the heat. I need to get to Jesus. Is that happening in your heart today? This passage continues. Verse 8, this is Isaiah 35, verse 8. And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. This is the only highway to heaven, my brother. There is no other way to enter into the celestial city but by the way of holiness. There is no other path that leads to heaven than the highway of holiness. And if anyone has told you there is another path, they are lying to you. Jesus is the way of holiness. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're walking in known rebellion and sin against God, repent, else you cannot walk on this highway. The unclean, it says, cannot walk on this highway. The unclean will not journey on it. For it will be for those who walk in that way. That way is that way of holiness. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ferocious beast will get up on it, for they will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You cannot walk in the way of holiness, which is the only road to heaven If you're walking casually and unconscious before a holy God in the midst of your rebellion and your sin, belonging to a church will not save you. Being a religious person will not save you. The only way of salvation is the highway of holiness the way of holiness, the straight and narrow path, entering in at the gate, going to the cross, dying, being born again, and walking faithfully before Jesus day by day, step by step, until we cross that Jordan, until we die, and we're brought through in victory and glory on the other side. There is no other way to heaven. And if you are trying to find a shortcut, there are no shortcuts. Please hear me today. This dear man who said to me, I wish I were disturbed enough to come and pray with you. what needs to happen to disturb you enough to come and pray with me. The National Prayer Chapel has been established as a morning bench, as a place where Christians can come and hear a straight word of God, a place where by the Spirit of the living God, a person can be convicted of their sin and washed in the blood and set free and shout in victory. I invite you to come. I invite you to come this Sunday. It's inconvenient for many of you because it means driving long distance. Is salvation worth driving the long distance? I invite you to come in fellowship with the people who are not interested in foolishness, who are interested only in the salvation of their hearts and their families and their friends. It's not a place of entertainment. It's not a social place although we love one another. It's a place of prayer and intercession. It's a place of conviction. It's a place where men and women want to get right with Jesus and be born again. If there's a cry in your heart that you want Jesus, don't try to do it alone. There are some things that happen in the church that don't happen when we're by ourselves. So don't isolate yourself, but instead press in. Grab a hold of what I'm offering you. I'm offering you a lifeline to heaven. I'm offering you a place built at great sacrifice for many people, at great expense, a place where you can come and get right with Jesus. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. And there you will find the directions for coming to the National Prayer Chapel. We meet at All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. And I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. The National Prayer Chapel meets at this facility, 1230 Sunday afternoon. I invite you to come. Now let's pray together as the broadcast closes. Almighty God, your Spirit has been heavy upon me today. I pray for conviction to flow in the hearts of men and women. I pray that that conviction will increase until they will go to the mourner's bench and repent of their lukewarm hearts, repent of their rebellion, Lord, I pray you'll strengthen their knees, strengthen their arms, give them the courage, Almighty God, to step in faith and follow you, Jesus. I pray that the conviction of the Spirit will be poured out on this city now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.